0: we need to say these are the things on our agenda and if you will state publicly place on your website talk about in your rallies put in your social media that you will fight for these things that are on our agenda you can get our collective political resource if not we're going to ignore you now we're going to have a hard time because we have elders who say your ancestors fought and died for your right to vote. True. And now it's our turn to make our vote even more valuable.
1: Man, certainly want to say welcome uh, to our audience, those who are here with us. Uh, and certainly want to say uh, today, this uh, this discussion that we're having uh, is a part of our overall men's empowerment weekend. One of the things that got laid on my heart was to have some... Uh, some dialogue or some discussion, because we know our uh, our communities, especially after COVID. You know, when things are bad, things hit bad. But when you're in a negative situation, it hits you worse. Amen. And so, if you think about our communities uh, post COVID and all of the challenges that were already existed prior to COVID, we really need to come back and have some uh, some, some sincere thought and thinking about what it means to engage in the issues that have impacted our community historically, and even those nuances that are, are happening right now. I'm blessed today uh, to have with me on our panelists. I have two, uh, two gentlemen who have active in the community, Brother Kenneth L. Amen. Uh, we thank God for Brother Kinnick L., who does lots of activism here in our, our region, in the city of Virginia Beach, in Norfolk, in the area, uh, and Brother Sekou Varner, an uh, entrepreneur of Positive Vibes. I'm going to give them a moment to, uh, to introduce themselves and have a few words, uh, and we'll go ahead and we'll get started uh, with our question, our dialogue, after that. Brother Kinnick, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Peace and love.
2: Peace and love. First, I rise and give complete and perfect praise to the great God, Allah. Give honors to all the true and divine prophets, namely Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, and Confucius. Honors to our illustrious prophet, Noble Drew Ali. Honors to Marcus Garvey. Honors to First Haven Baptist Church for organizing this event. For all of you that can hear the sound of my voice. For everybody, peace and love. So, yes, I'm your brother, man, and friend, Brother Kenneth I serve as a faithful uh, member of the Morris Science Temple of America. Um, I am a Muslim, I am a true American citizen, and it's an honor to be here to help serve my people, we all family, and i um, just happy to be here. So, looking forward to a great discussion and an empowering weekend to show what we can do when we all come together, share our love for Jesus. Amen. Thank you.
0: Amen. Brother Sanku, Varner? Well, hey, I want to start off by saying hello to uh, all the members of First Lynn Haven Baptist Church. Uh, I'm a member here. Uh, I want to say uh, peace, love, and I shade to my E5 community. Uh, I also want to say uh, root to the good brothers of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, 151 to my good brothers of uh, 151 Incorporated, to my family, friends, and all of those uh, across the nation. Uh, I'm simply a uh, servant, a student, and an activist. So I, I kind of focus on empowerment So if you check me out on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, uh, just look for Seiko Varner and you'll find me talking about empowerment. And I'm really kind of firmly focused in that area. Outside of that, uh, you know, I worked during the school day as a uh, teacher. So salute to the Bramby comments, and uh, also own a couple of businesses uh, firmly focused on investment. But empowerment is my basis and uh, glad to be here today at home with my brother with my fam I say man
1: amen, I say and so we're going to go ahead and jump into our questions that we have today and one of the first questions that we kind of put out into the atmosphere uh it says what disturbs you the most about the state of the black community and how did the COVID-19 pandemic highlight the significance of that issue what disturbs you the most about what's happening in our community And how did COVID kind of magnify or enhance the significance of the particular issue that disturbs you?
0: All right, I'll I'll go first. Uh, You know, when I look at the so-called Black community and what disturbs me the most, uh, it really brings me back just a, a a, a month ago. So I went to Jamaica and enjoyed the heat, enjoyed the party, enjoyed the waters. But what disturbed me was looking at our people and looking at our situation there in Jamaica and realizing that when I went to Panama, I saw the same thing. When I went to Puerto Rico, I saw the same thing. You know, when I went to Barbados and when I went to uh, the Bahamas and when I travel our our great nation here in America, I see the same thing, that there was something that has happened. And as a result of whatever those things might be, it might be colonialism, it might be, uh, you know, enslavement, it might be a whole Hither of other things, the terrorism that we face here in the United States of America. um, Our people are not necessarily in the best position to be empowered to take control of the opportunities that are available in the environment. And that deeply disturbs me. And that's what I'm firmly focused on. And I think uh, the the pandemic, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's this phrase that a rising tide lifts all boats. And you know, when I ran for office I started realizing that a rising tide lifts all inequities as well as it lifts the boats. Now, during the pandemic we had a decreasing tide. And that decreasing tide, while it decreased all boats, it also exacerbated all the inequities. And so a bad situation got worse, and that deeply disturbs me. So, I'm gonna come back to that in a second. Brother Kenneth, you said your question.
2: Wow, well, when I think about the so called Black community, and I say so called because I consider us to be Asiatics and we are the human race. So, but when I think about our people and our community, what's impacting us, I think it's our, our lack of love for one another. I don't think we really understand the simplicity around really spreading and living in love Um, and the pandemic really I think exploited that because we really needed each other during that time and I think that there was a lot of a lot of greed from some people Mm. Um, and Mm. just I don't think we're working together as we should I think collectively everybody's what we call woke now everybody's conscious everybody has information Um, we need to make sure that we use this information the new stuff we're learning to unify and work together I think so often we see each other, we, we see people attacking one another because during corona, you know, during the COVID, everybody was at home. So a lot of people learned a lot, started new businesses, grew in lots of things, but I just feel like we didn't understand the importance of love. Um, loving one another, regardless of our differences with whatever level of you know, socioeconomic you may be in life, we need to learn how to work together as a people. We need to understand that we are one race of people. We are one family regardless of your perceived race, your religion, your creed, whatever. Let's just work together. So I think it's it's just simply love. That's the that's the biggest thing I've observed that we need more of.
1: And and so, uh, and obviously, uh, uh, as a Christian, Christ taught us to love. And so love, I'm right there with you with the love aspect of love. I want to deal with these inequities, though, that you mentioned, Brother Varner. Uh, so let's, let's kind of unpack that. So when you talk about some, you said when the, when the tide went down, uh, the inequities were was kind of exacerbated. What are some of those uh, inequities particularly? Because here's the thing, and I, and I kind of preface it, because one of the things that happened during the COVID pandemic, there were all these uh, uh, economic you know, in- injections mm-hmm. with people with loans to, to churches and to businesses and everything else. Uh, and even in terms of, uh, and I, I dealt with this particularly with the with the, with the virus and the uh, the vaccinations, that while many persons in the community were delayed in getting the virus, uh, the vaccination, Others were provided the opportunity first, you know, in advance of everyone else. And, and so the mo- even the monies that were distributed weren't distributed equi- equitably. And so when you think of inequities, you know, what are you talking about? Let's just kind of unpack those and name those, deal with those.
0: Oh, man, I'm thinking about all the above. You know, we could talk about the foundation of the money, you know. Uh, I did receive money from the federal government because my business was impacted, right? A brother who has a company and we're in the same space didn't. There was an inequity there because there were some things that their business had done, that my business had done, that allowed me to be ahead of the game. But I was behind the game because there were other organizations and entities that had access to those funds first. Because when the first rollout of those monies came out, you had to have a relationship with a banker. And the banker went down their book of business and they chose the people that they were going to work with first. So we can talk about there was some financial nepotism when that happened. We can also talk about during the pandemic, there was inequities in the health care system. Those of us have easiest access and greatest access to care had the greatest care and the easiest access to that care. And those of us who didn't had challenges getting that care, you know, and with the uh, vaccine. Some did get it first. And then those of us who decided that we weren't going to be vaccinated, we went through the ringer. And so some of us were really embraced and given stuff quick. Some of us had to wait in line and we got it secondary. And some of us were punished. Right. And so I'm saying that there were an uh, aboundment. I don't even know that's a word. It's abounding. There was an abounding. There was an abounding of inequities that happened. That were highlighted, and the great thing is, in our current state, where we're all the media, for the good or bad, we were able to see things that had already existed. Had already existed. We were able to see things that already existed, so uh, we can go to policing. Mm -hmm. All right. So there was inequities in the policing because when those who were uh, involved in some of the uprisings and the protests and the shows. They were treated in a way that others weren't during the same pandemic. There were some who were coddled and embraced and put up and held safe by our law enforcement system. And then some of us were beat just while we were saying, this is wrong. Bop, And we got a chance to see that in real time. You know, so there were a lot of areas when we look at the pandemic where things that were inequities were highlighted but they were also exacerbated because of the pandemic.
1: And, and since this, and since we all dealing, dealing with the idea of empowerment, and, uh, and you don't have to re- reveal who the person in the business was, but, but those things that you've done that he hadn't done, let's kind of put those on the table too, because that might help someone. What had he not done, per se, from the business perspective that, that prevented him from getting the EPP that you had done?
0: Oh, the, didn't have things? this EIN, in other words... Didn't do the legal strategies to have your business in place. Um, Had a business longer than I've been in business, but had not been legal as long as I've been legal, you know? And by doing those types of things, I was able to, you know, they said, hey, we need three years of business tax returns. Bam. We need your EIM. Bam. You know, we need this, this, and this. Bam, bam, bam. My brother couldn't bam. I was able to bam. And so... Same need, same economic deprivation because of the pandemic situation and the closure. We had the same need, but I had quicker, easier access.
1: And and what comes to mind with that, as as you say that, uh, because it's hard to imagine, in our minds or in the corporate imagination, to say someone's, quote unquote, in business without the E-I-N without the tax returns. Yeah. And so, and so that, and that's not to, that's not to throw shade at whoever, that business entity, no. but it, but it is to say that some, that the particular legalities and nuances, there may be a, a void in our understanding or in our capacity to dot those I's and cross those T's because of the resource, the knowledge resource that perhaps we don't have. We may have, we have the same initiative and energy as everyone else, but the knowledge base to, to execute, the business plan appropriately in a way that, that opens the doors for all those things. That's, that's an area of empowerment that that's lacking. that we have to kind of look at it and do, but can I get anything on, on those that kind comes to mind as we're talking about that? Um,
2: I think Seko answered the question very well. And he really summarized for the most part, most of the, the inequalities, the um, only thing that I can say just to echo was the treatment around the vaccinated or the non-vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I think that was something that really divided us as a people, um, and I just think
1: that was that was the only issue, as far as everything else. He already touched on it. So, I um, one of the things that, and I kind of, uh, somewhat intentionally, stay away from the news cycle. Right. Uh, I, I I get things in. i a, a timeline, and I kind of interested in tapping and read those. Uh, but one of the things that came across my timeline the other day was surprising that many persons were lost their jobs were terminated because of not getting the vaccine during the pandemic or when it was available and there was Supreme court ruling that basically gave those persons their jobs back. I don't know the dynamics of that, but that came to mind
0: yes. in terms of what, you, what you're saying, you know, in terms right. of like, I think Good. you were employed in the federal into a, a, into a job or a firm that received money or worked with the federal government that worked.
2: I was going to say that the, like there was a religious exemption is a legitimate clause, a legitimate reason why some people do not believe in vaccines. And during that time, a lot of people were rejecting it because it was like this groupthink mentality that everybody needed to take the shot and everybody needs to wear a mask and everybody need to do everything where in truth, we are all individually responsible for our health. So I think this kind of brings me back to the initial question as far as something else that disappoints me about our people is that we went through this entire pandemic and all this health stuff, and yet we're still, we have not prioritized around our health the way that we should. Mm. That's a huge takeaway. It's like we've been through a pandemic, economy shut down, everything shut down. And yet we are still engaging in some of the exact same behavior that is self-destructive, eating un- unhealthy things and just kind of demonstrating the same behavior. So,
0: <laughs> true, true yeah. that. So some of us took the shot but kept eating junk.
2: Right. Like, what's the point? <laughs> you take the shot, then you go eat poison. It's yeah, like. Yeah why
0: <laughs> and 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 that's and
1: see that's not a, a topic that was on my list but we're talking about community empowerment so that deserves some time yes. uh because uh i live in norfolk and so one of the things that we see or we encounter uh food deserts yes. we live in situations where there may be some form of grocery store uh that's impacted by a fire and all of a sudden look up at that community doesn't have food uh but we know uh, uh we know say that we know, that's the language I'm using, we know that systemically uh, those grocers in those areas often have less quality items for a higher price charge to those uh, who, who are poor. Uh, and so as you look at that and talk about those food choices uh, and 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 even dealing systemically with the inequities that are, that are present in that, uh, I think when we're talking about empowerment, because I know you do the juicing and those things like that, uh, Let's unpack that in terms of our choices, uh, because culturally there are some food items and choices that that we embrace uh, from our African American experience, uh, but there are also some things uh, in the diet. Doc- we literally are are uh, in, uh, supporting the medical complex with our medicines and our prescriptions and our doctor visits, and so how do we find balance? In that community, with, with, given all those things, and I'll even say this, I, you know, because there's not a lot we can do about uh, the medical, the, about the doctor's office, but we can do something with our table and our refrigerator and our, and our grocery store cart. So let's kind of talk about that. How do we empower our communities that way? Wow. You want
0: right. to start there?
2: It, I, it don't matter. I, I can So for me, I think start, for starters, we need to educate ourselves around health. We, we have to take some time to really do some research around what we're eating, why we're eating it, how do we get to this place. And, and this is, I don't intend to disrespect or offend anyone around diet. And when we talk about this, I know it could be a sensitive subject, but I just want to talk about something I think we need to really consider. Okay. And I would use an example like chitlins, for example. <laughs> use that as an example. There is absolutely no nutritional value in chitlins. There's nothing. It's literally toxic. It's extremely poisonous. The the pork itself is one of the most toxic animals that we can eat. And when you look at our communities, what are the top things we're suffering from? You know, hypertension, high blood pressure, all right, diabetes. Like a lot of these things that we've attributed to being, you know, uh, hereditary or say it's in the family. It's no, the whole family eats the same stuff every year. And we're not acknowledging that, hey, if you keep eating this High-sodium food, and if you don't exercise, if you don't drink water, if you don't use common sense and do the things you have to do to improve your health, then you're going to make yourself more susceptible to coronavirus or any other virus. So diet-wise, yes, we need to do research, and we need to look at – I'm going to tell this a quick story. I used to be a store manager at Food Lion. I managed like 10 stores in five years throughout Hampton Roads.
0: Okay.
2: One of the stores I used to work in, um, our meat department did about $20,000 a week in sales. Produce did about $10,000 a week in sales in that store. We would, you know, you hire from the community. Mm-hmm. So in that store, um, well, I'm, I'm going to describe the other store first. So the other store, the meat department was doing 10,000 and the produce was doing 20,000. So you can literally look at the profit and loss statement and you can see what the community is eating. So then you hire from the community and the store where the meat department was doing 20,000 and produce was doing 10,000, my stock crew was much slower. I had a higher turnover with my cashiers, had a lot of call-ins. I had people stealing. I had all types of issues because the community was unhealthy. I moved to the other store where it was 20,000 in produce, 10,000 in meat. Guess what? Best stock crew I ever had. Cashiers on time. Everybody's happy productivity improves, the overall performance of the business improved tremendously just on the basis of what they were eating. So like literally I learned then that, hey, we can look at our communities and we can just look at what we're consuming. What are we spending our money on? Most people go to the center of the stores. They don't even eat the produce. You don't even look at the options. Like when is the last time you really ate some vegetables? When the last time you really drank some water? Our people drink more alcohol than water. So, yeah, I, I just think it's it, it requires a lot of common sense thinking, and we have to be serious with ourselves because we can't carry the victim mentality and say, hey, so they did it to me. Nah, you chose to eat that bacon every day.
0: You chose that. That's why I thought he should start with the health piece, right? Right. I mean, I might be able to say I don't eat pork, but I eat Twizzlers. And, and they don't have any nutritional value either. It's something I'm working on. Um, but... I, Hey, everything that Kinnick said there, I would, I, I would check, check, check. Yes, yes, yes. Agree, agree, agree. Um, we've allowed some misinformation mm-hmm. to be things that we value. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I used to have this conversation with some of uh some congregants here. Um, when they were like, "Well, um, yeah, what do you want to eat?" You know, had some of the things. I was like, "Yeah, just give me anything but the pork." you to eat pork? Do you read your book? Right. <laughs> your book says not to eat pork. Mm-hmm. Your book said not to eat scavengers, and you eating shrimp. You eating lobster? You know, so if you know, um, if we were to eat by the book, Christians in general would be healthier. If we were to eat by the book, our people, no matter what our relationship with the almighty and the spirit world is, would be healthy. And it's not just the Bible that says not to eat that stuff. A lot of the other religious texts and holy books say the same thing. But we say, if we bless it, it'll take away all the toxins. We got (laughs) hypertension. We got diabetes. We get our foot getting kicked off. You know? Uh, all the things, we have a lot of mucus in us and stuff like that. And I'm like, eh, it don't look like you're getting blessed. <laughs> right. But right. that's part of the thing that we've started to believe. And the book doesn't even say. Mm. I mean, go ahead.
1: Well, there's a, my, there's a question
3: the audience here. What's your name, sir? So,
1: what, what, what we'll share from the audience is that there's, there's opportunity for community gardening, but the the, the will of the, of, the, of the political structure, as well as the, the movement of the people, uh, the grassroots, to desire uh, this partnership between the parks and the community gardens in the city has to cut that dialogue has to take place. And so, I guess, uh, kind of summarizing what you're saying is that uh, the, the There's not enough pushback from the grassroots about the community garden aspect uh, for the city, the political structure to react in a positive way.
0: Yeah, Talib Kwali said, never mind the leaders because the people keep fronting. A lot of times we're not doing the things that need to happen to compel those elected officials to do the goodwill of the body
2: and And, just to add value to that, uh, that's right and exact. That's a very good observation. And we as a people as a community, have to do better with our discipline. One strategy that I like to suggest for people to help them transition to more of a healthier um healthy eating and living is what I did years ago, I started calling the foods what they were. So, for example, I didn't call it beef, I called it a cow. I didn't call it pork. I called it a pig. I don't call it chicken or turkey. I call them birds. And I don't want to eat a bird or a chick or, a, or a, a cow or a pig. And when I started looking at these animals for what they are as living beings, and we know that the great God made all living beings, we all have a soul. I don't want to eat anything that has a soul. They each have their own power to choose, and they can live however they choose. And they weren't designed to be food. This concept of eating them is a very carnal thing that we've adopted over the years, but that's not what we're supposed to be doing. So I think if you start by calling the foods what they are, and then just start being disciplined. Just try one day. Try for three days. Try not to eat meat. Just three days. You know, go on, a, go on a fast. Do a, do a detox. Just do a juice fast. Just try it and see how your body feels. When your body responds and you start feeling better, then you're going to be kicking yourself, asking yourself, what took you so long? And that, and that was my experience. When I was in my early 20s, I had a belly that stuck out further than my chest. Um, but I didn't care because I had money. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I got money, man. Who cares what y'all talking about? Big bank, take little bank." But I realized that it's not about money; it's about health. We got families, we got loved ones, and if you can't keep up, and if you ain't alive because you you just eating whatever you want, then it's you know it's slow suicide. So
0: yeah, that's why I love Brother Kenneth, always working to uplift fallen humanity. I remember when you were a little heavier.
2: Yes. And brother. yeah,
0: because yeah, I, now. You've gotten a lot healthier, brother. So you're like a living example. And I I guess we can bring this back to what does this have to do with empowerment? Yes. What does what Brother Kenneth just said, shared, have to do with empowerment? And I think if we can keep asking ourselves, what's this have to do with empowerment? There's chicken on my plate. What's this have to do with empowerment? There's vegetables on my plate. What's this have to do with empowerment? You know, there's a soda, there's water. What's this have to do with empowerment? If I'm focused on empowerment, I will start making healthier choices.
4: Right.
0: Right. So I, I, I like, like I said, I'm still hitting the Twizzlers. <laughs> I hit them on Sunday. I don't expect the Lord to bless me. I don't expect. I'm not silly like that. I'm sorry. I don't have that belief. Uh, but I'm working on it. You know, and I think uh, we can work towards empowerment. You know, empowerment for me would. In the next two years, I won't be hitting the Twizzlers on Sunday. Um, so and so, I'm not sure what empowerment might be for you health wise. But if we can focus on empowerment, and that's one of the great things, all the holy texts talk about empowerment. Mm-hmm. And I'll stop. <laughs> and, and and every and everything that operates with
1: power requires some form of fuel and sacrifice. And so the, so the question is. How does this fuel on my plate empower me and empower me for the community? Mm. And when you begin to ask that question, you, perhaps we can help us to make better choices. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. I, I got okay. one, one more thought. On that,
2: <laughs> then we'll let the topic go. Often we hear the, I've heard different comments around eating healthy. And one of the most common things that people say is they can't afford it. They, that's the first thing everybody says. It costs too much. I can't afford it. That's not true. It's it's actually very affordable. If we take on what what Conrad was speaking and and actually start employing community gardens and start growing our own food, we can use tower gardens. We can grow our own food inside of our house. Um, But most importantly, when you be proactive about your health and you eat healthier, you cut back on the medical bills later in life. So if you're eating pork and eating this dumb junk all the time, later on in life, you're going to pay for it. But if you invest into your health now and spend a couple of extra dollars, get the salad instead of the double cheeseburger. You know, just start making those choices. And when your health improves, your finances improve, your thinking improves, every aspect of your life will improve. And if that don't make you better, then I don't know what else to say. Amen. <laughs> hey hey Amen.
1: <laughs> I, I want to get, uh, move on to that uh, question. This is a great discussion. Uh, from your perspective, something to reflect on. We've talked about the challenges. Uh, what economic advances has the Black community experienced in the past 30 years, from 92? to 2022 and in what specific areas has the needle not moved observably so because because we can't we have to be very careful we can't paint the whole picture as cloudy there have been some advances economically as we identify those identify those what are they and then what are those areas that the needle hasn't moved at all we're still pretty much in the same rut i think um
2: when i think of and and y'all know black community is like a trigger word for me (laughs) i mean asiatics or the human race okay because we're not black people people ain't black or white that's another topic i'm sure we'll get to that when we get to the education but particularly as it relates to where have we advanced as a people i think we've made a lot of growth in economic um just in starting businesses being a lot more independent um thinking for ourselves on our own um, there's been a lot of growth in that arena. I think politically, there's been a lot of improvement and a lot of advancements. There are way more Asiatics that I see that are more politically sound and involved. Um, I know we just had an Asiatic governor elected to, in Maryland, um, so there's there's a lot of progress that I think to where we're moving the needle on getting involved. Now, as far as what was the other part of that question? Needles.
1: Well, what advances and what has not moved?
2: Where's uh, the needle not? The moved? needle has not moved in our. I'm going to say it like I want to say it. We haven't reclaimed our land yet. Preach. We have not oh realized God. that... Th- I'm going to quote Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So nobody takes this out of context. <laughs> All right. In his famous I Have a Dream speech, about three minutes into the speech, he said, 100 years later, the Negro finds himself languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. Everyone on earth knows that we are the original people. Everyone on earth knows that this is our land. We as a nation of people, particularly those in America who've been branded as Negroes, Blacks, and colors by way of European psychology, have not really come to the terms that this stuff doesn't make sense, y'all. Why do we act like this towards each other? Because, you know, African-Americans don't like Black folks and Black folks don't like niggas and color folks. And, but we all want people. So why do we think like this? Where is this coming from? So I I believe that's where we haven't moved the needle on is realizing that, hey, we need to reclaim our land. And I'm not talking about in a violent, destructive, or evil, malicious way. I'm talking about take care of the land and the people of the land. Go out here and clean up the streets. Clean your community. Clean up your neighborhood. Tell the brothers and the sisters, stop doing the dumb junk that they're doing in the community. Like, we are the people of the land. So I think that's where we haven't Realize it. We we made so much focus around getting money, stacking money, stacking money. So now we got it. So now let's build on our own and be independent and self-sufficient as we should.
0: I would say (laughs) the advances have been individualistic. Mm. So we can name more and highlight more people who quote unquote have had some levels of economic success, but our community Is in a lower financial ability than where we were 75 years ago Hmm. we don't have the economic might we had 75 years ago 10 years after the emancipation proclamation the freeman's bank had over a million dollars in now it was stolen by the europeans (laughs) you know they do uh, (sighs) it was later stolen by our american government but (laughs) We were in a better shape 75 years ago. We were better shaped financially. We were better shaped educationally. We were in better shape physically. When i talk about our community than we are right now. Look, uh, a powerful people, okay, powerful people can employ themselves and anybody else they want to employ. Valuable people work for powerful people. And then we have people of little value who have a hard time empowering themselves, hiring themselves, or even working for somebody else. We've gotten ourselves stuck on being servants. So we serve in the military. Thanks for your service. We serve in the educational realm. Thanks for your service. We serve in the religious realm. Thanks for your service. We serve in the community realm policemen, firemen, thanks for your service. We serve in the medical realm, nurses, para-nurses, thanks for your service. Those who are in control of all of those areas I just described are the ones who are doing better financially. And if we go back to prior to the civil rights, uh, I'm sorry, prior to the 60s, we did all of that ourselves. We did all of that ourselves. And now we can't do it all ourselves. So now if Tommy comes back from being imprisoned, we can't offer Tommy a job. Some of us can't. Most of us can We can say, I'll pray for you. Maybe I'll connect you with this person here. You know, I'll help you fill out the application. But we can't provide them in general because individualistically, there are a lot of us who've done well. But as corporate We're still stuck in the same situation we were. The way we get out of that is focusing on being masters of our domain. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to get a lot of pushback. If you raise a child and when that child turns 18, you can't employ your child. You haven't done your entire job as a parent. Many of us would fail in that regard. We might be great parents. We love our children. We showed them the right way. We took them to, uh, you know, religious services, moral services. They might be great citizens, but if we can't employ them, we failed in some area. Now, I'm saying that because there are communities, when that child turns 18, they can employ them, and they did everything else that we did. Those are the powerful communities. That's what we need to seek towards doing. We've sought to serve and not Achieve mastery.
3: I, I hear, and I agree
1: with you. The, and the, there are two. Sh- there's a couple of streams running there, uh, and Brother Kinnan kind of hit on it earlier. And the w- the education stream is is there because we're talking about educational choice. What educational areas are we investing in? Uh, you know, whether it's whether it's educational, social work, or those areas. But also, but there's something else at work. And I want us to kind of tap into it because they kind of go, they go hand in hand, which is the psychology of poverty.
4: Hmm. Uh,
1: there's Because, because Brother Seiko said something earlier, and it kind of made me pause, and I agree collectively, collectively, we, we, don't, have the, we don't have the economic fist that we once had. Uh, right now we're just scattered fingers, but, but in pure dollars and spending power, we're there. We have it. We, they, 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 they can't wait till the day after Thanksgiving when we, when we turn, turn, turn the economics from red to black right. for the year. Right. That's black, black, black Friday every, every year. Uh, but there is a psychology of poverty that if we can deal with that. We can find some power. Uh, part of it, and I'll just kind of throw it out, and we can kind of talk. You know, uh, we're all family here. Uh, there, there's this, there's this, this, psychology of poverty from this, from the slave era, uh, when the master would uh, would give his house slave uh, his old jacket, and his old hat, and his old shoes, uh, and put him out in front of the other slaves and kind of prop him up. Uh, and so there's this visual image that somehow uh, my status is different right. based upon how I appear, but they were all slaves, you see. And, and so let's kind of unpack this side, man. Perhaps we can empower somebody today uh, to stop thinking uh, the, in the psychology of slavery. I heard someone say, you know, there's a problem if you've got a forty dollars or $50,000 car parked in front of an apartment.
0: Unless you own the apartment building. Sure right. right. yeah. I, I want right. to say something before I, I'm going to let Kenny jump in on that. Cause that's, that's one of his areas of expertise. I'll say, um, we talk about spending power. There's no power in the being able to spend. There's no power in the ability to spend. There's power in the ability to, in the ability to invest, right? There's power in the ability to employ. There's power in the ability to build. There's no power in the ability to spend. on? Is no power in the ability to spend.
1: So you don't. So this unpacked, You don't equate investing with because you're spending. Investing is not spending. Okay, talk about tithing that. is not
0: spending. Let's talk about that. Building okay. is not spending. You know, employing is not spending. All of those are investments. Everything I just talked about can go under the word investment,
1: with the idea of being. And I'm, and I'm dealing with. I'm kind of help because, because there's a teacher in me because yes, it's 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 the idea. Of whether or not what's I want you spent, what is placed in position, does what's placed in position have a yield, an ongoing yield, or once it's placed in position, its power is dispersed? What are we talking? about? the difference between? Okay, spending? so you
0: just you just confirmed what I just stated, bro. You just confirmed what I just stated. Because look, uh, next month, later on this month folks are going to start spending money on Black Friday, right? And they're going to buy Christmas gifts, and those Christmas gifts are not going to positively impact the lives of the children they love. It's not going to positively impact. We're going to give away turkeys. We're going to give away turkey. I'm saying we, because some of us will be doing it. We're going to give away turkeys to the homeless, and we have not positively impacted their lives. That's not what Jesus taught. Right, man. That's not what Prophet Noble Drew Ali and the Harbinger Marcus Garvey taught us. That's not what Dr. John Henry Clark taught us. You know, we can keep going. That's not what, I'm leaving the sisters out. All right, I didn't mean to do that. All right, that's not what the sisters taught us. <laughs> you know, uh, the Queen Mother Moore's. that's not what she taught us. You know what I'm saying? We spend a lot of time on symbolic stuff that don't change the situation. Whew. Dr. King, before he um, was uh, murdered, let me let that sit in. Dr. King, before he was murdered, was working on a Christmas spending boycott until he got some of the things that, that were still part of the agenda. Do you know how much we could have changed our country? Now, here's the problem. Dr. King was murdered. And the idea, he wasn't the only person with the idea, he was working with a committee, died. Hmm. Here's another problem. I talk to elders all the time and say, yeah, I did my part. I marched with Dr. King. Well, why'd you start marching? Because he died. So you really didn't serve the agenda. You followed the leader. We need people to serve the agenda. And if we serve the agenda of empowerment, empowerment means we focus on investments. So, stop spending. Starting invest- if the money that you spend is not going to give you something in return in health, in uh, safety and security, you know your household got to have your house. You know uh, have the ability to travel. But you know if we're spending on things that are not going to give us a return on our investment, no matter what the investment is, we just spend it. Ain't no power in that.
1: And I I, I like what you said because I, I I like like to unpack things. Uh, some would say, "Psychology of poverty." I do get something out of spending—an
0: emotional feeling, like I had something, I am something. But yeah. you ain't nothing because right. you don't have nothing. You can't employ people. You can't change anything. And so we had great examples. Dr. King was a great example. I do have to say that, even you know, I, I do take a challenge when we quote Dr. King about. You know, we're uh, what you said earlier. I don't think he was talking about that, <laughs> but I do respect that we were here way before the Europeans came. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. So this is our land. I say, um, way before the. Uh, let me stop. I do think we need to focus on investments, empowerment, empowerment, investing, investing, empowerment, empowerment, investing, and we can make our way out of this quagmire. What was your question?
1: Well, I would get the psychology of You said this is it. Let's talk about that, Ken yes. Kenny. So all right. Um, I, I said the psychology of, of I said the psychology of poverty. Just now I said psychology of slavery. the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. The
2: psychology of poverty, right? First, we need to learn financial literacy as a as a people. True. We need to understand that money does not make the man. Okay. Money does not make you who you are. We all know that we just celebrated Juneteenth, right? The end of slavery, right? Slavery is over. Mm. It may hit hard, but I got to say it. Uh. Who's on the dollars? Every one of them presidents was a slaveholder. The black dollar does not exist. What our Asiatic people are doing in America and our misunderstanding around financial literacy is consuming. And we're literally just consuming, consuming, consuming. We need to get into manufacturing. We have to be more industrious and be able to provide the basic things that we need without relying on a former slaveholder. Marcus Garvey said any leadership that would teach you to rely on another leadership is a leadership that will enslave you. Mm. I believe we as a people, as we, if we continue to expect the Federal Reserve to be our source of our economic security, we'll continue to suffer the way that we are. Most people don't even know what's going on with the Federal Reserve. They're raising the interest rates. What's going on? They're not paying attention. Inflation at an all time high. That's why things cost more. It's not your fault. You're not struggling. But if you don't understand how this entire economic system, if you don't understand the Emergency Banking Act, the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913. And a question I like to ask my people a lot, you know, when I say my people, I'm talking about the human race. Okay. Now, particularly the Asiatics, the so-called black people. We know more about the Federal Reserve than we know about the Morris Science Temple of America. When the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913. Morris, what year was the Morris Science Temple of America founded? 1913 AD. So the same year the Morris Science Temple of America was founded, the Federal Reserve Act was put together. The president who signed the Federal Reserve Act in the law, Woodrow Wilson, he worked with Noble Drew Ali. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important that we go back and we learn the history of what really took place with our people, if you're not familiar with Marcus Garvey and Noble Drew Ali, then you might not understand a lot of the stuff that we're coming from, because the root of the mental slavery we're suffering from, that has led to economic slavery, it comes by way of accepting European psychology. So, that's, that's what we're trying to work on as a people, for us to think for ourselves. No disrespect to European nations, to other people, it's just, we got to be honest, y'all, it's our time to do for self.
0: You know, um, Dr. King stated that something special happened to the Negro and something special should happen for the Negro. And let's go back to that because we have to do something special. We're going to have to do something different. We can't follow America in some realms. We're going to have to do something different because something different happened to us. We got to do something different. You know, Prophet taught that too. All the other leaders have said that we got to do something different. Oh, <laughs> but you talked about uh, psychology of slavery, brother. Talk about epigenetics. I, I think that kind of brings in that that psychology part of enslavement. You know. So I'm gonna I'm
2: use simpler terms. Uh, <laughs> so the um, mental slavery so think back to 1865 all right when our people found out that we were free and we were released and when slavery is over what happens if you go to an asiatic or so-called black person who's lived on a plantation their entire life you tell them that hey you're free now you can do whatever you want many were like what does that mean where where are we going what do we do i just keep doing this because it's comfortable um, and they have, they've identified with the enslavers. They've identified it's cognitive dissonance is a common psychological term people might be familiar with. Um, but literally over years of dealing with trauma and not healing from it, it changes your, um, DNA. your your DNA. Like literally a lot of our people, and I say this with respect and love, but they're living in fear and they're afraid of this imagination and this boogeyman that doesn't exist. Um, A lot of people are familiar with the whole Kyrie situation. I'm going to bring that up because I think that ties into psychology. All right. Kyrie, slight detour to Kyrie, then we're going to come back. Slight detour because I think it relates to the psychology, right? Right. Kyrie, brother searching, knowledge of self, trying to find more about himself. No intent to harm anybody. No intent to disrespect anybody. Yes, he's a basketball player. He millionaire, all this stuff. But that doesn't change him as a man and his right to study about thyself. He's trying to study thyself, trying to learn who he is. So he shares his innocent posts, and they go crazy on him, attack him, and take money, all this stuff from him, just to later let us know. And many people joined in in, the condom, in you know, condemning him just to kind of find out later that uh, when they sat down with him that the brother never meant that. It, it was, he had no malicious intent. And the owner of the net said that. The NBA commissioner said that. So everybody who came to attack him, and if you look, who was the first to attack him? His own, our people. Shaq, <laughs> Shaq our people, the first ones. This is the psychology yeah. that I'm referring LeBron. to. LeBron. Yeah. LeBron. Why why? Why do we want to attack each other? We already like they, they hit this man economically. They took money from his family, from his loved ones over nothing. And we joined in, and then we turn around and complain about how we're being treated,
0: but we treat each other worse. You're going to ma- you get master mad. <laughs> what? That's what happened. You're going to get master mad. We all going to pay. We all going to suffer. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I bring up the term epigenetics because that refers to trauma being captured in your DNA and impacting your descendants. So your descendants react to environmental stimuli based upon some of the trauma that you may have had. They're triggered environmentally by some of the trauma that their great grandfather, their great, great grandmother may have had. And so when we talk about enslavement and the psychology of it, the, the person who's released from enslavement, it still lives within them mm-hmm. and generations, you know, they talk about the sins of the father visited upon the son. It, 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 It's it's simply telling you that the stuff you went through and sin means lack. It means without, you know, I know in Christendom, we talk about it differently, but the word sin means lack of without being taken away. So the things that were taken away from you your dignity, your manhood, your womanhood, your ability to make choices for yourself, your ability to live, the ability to thrive, your ability to survive, your ability to think for yourself, the ability to feel that you feel good about yourself when that's taken from you. That sin is going to be visited upon your sons, your daughters, your children, the people that come after you. And so now we're struggling now to think for ourselves, to feel good about ourselves, to defend ourselves. And so we can see really easily with that Kyrie uh, experience that some of us are still struggling struggling epigenetically because we don't want master to get upset.
1: Amen. Yeah the great philosopher KRS one <laughs> metaphysics, the science of life, how to live free from strife, walk with ease and no disease. I am the breeze, ocean and trees and the sea. Yeah, you know it, well, it, yeah of the yeah, one, one of the, th- one <laughs> of the things that we, that we deal with, and this is rich, and we want to kind of pause for a second. Um and 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 I certainly want to get the comment
3: or question. Yeah I'm sorry. So the the learned
1: behaviors of trauma is to fight embedded genetically through experience. Uh, And and this is what I would say to that, to those who are hearing. Often when we have these kind of conversations, they become dismissive. But how in the world could something that happened 400 years ago still be impacting you today, although they've never experienced it themselves? And so that's so. This dialogue is a part of opening up that discussion to say that these are these are things that we're still dealing with that's right. uh, in 2022. These are things that we still have to move beyond as we seek to to empower our communities. Uh, this has been rich, and been, this hour zipped on by. As a matter of fact, we're going into this to the second hour. Uh,
2: quick question. One thing I just want to share as a resolution: I think everybody is, is suffering from any mental slavery. Any of that? We as a people, we need more therapy want so to throw that out there. If you haven't been to therapy or if you've never had it, I think you should strongly consider it. You'd be amazed at what can what you can improve when you actually sit down with the mental health professionals who specialize in this. Um, so, I have a great therapist to refer you to if you need one. Amen. Amen.
1: Um, one of the things, though, and, and this has been a rich conversation economically, and this is about empowerment. That's why we're having this dialogue. And I have it on my list here, and and uh, and it needs to be discussed because. Uh, not only is there a, a sense of deprivation or divide and conquer in terms of the economic resources, but at, at a much deeper level, uh, within the, the Black culture, Black community, Asiatic culture, there's something else that, that's on the table that we have to deal with. And that is the economic divide between Black women and Black men. Because it's very easy to look beyond at the overalls and talk about the systemic issues. But within the culture, uh, we still have some issues where, and our, what I mean by that is that if you look numerically, uh, Black women are probably the, uh, the most educated, most advanced uh, people in our communities. Uh, and, and, and sadly, in many ways, it out distances the population, our male Black male population. And one of the things that happens, and we kind of have, have this conversation, is that many times, and I, and I really bemoan this. I was sharing this one of the preachers uh, that I, that I'm kind of close with. We were talking about it, and I just see it in terms of, of my field, in terms of the clergy right now. Uh, seminaries across America are filled with with black women clergy who are pursuing their graduate and postgraduate degrees, and they're coming out there doing tremendous things. And the combination of 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 guys, uh, for lack of a word, be, being the rooster in the in-house mentality. Uh, and just not taking that seriously, and even the economic piece of it, of, of those who are being challenged, creates this gap
3: between, And, and in many ways, uh, quality systems are struggling
1: to find brothers who are interested in coming together to form families and do what, and, and be. Let's talk about that, this divide. A lot to unpack between black women and black men. Wow, you put
0: men. a lot of things on the table. Yeah, bro. man. It's, it's out there. It's you out put there. a whole lot of things yes, that yes. on the table. Um, you, you want to start I, with one? I got right? you, actually. Okay. okay so I, I know you would, brother. A couple of things.
2: <laughs> um, I believe we do not have a right word. This, I'm just going to say what i think. think. Um, I don't think the divide is really there. Um, I think it's more mental than anything. You know, going back to my statement earlier about money not making a man. As long as we keep thinking that money is what makes us, gives us our value, then we're going to suffer. As a people, we need more families. Um, men, you're supposed to take onto thyself a wife and obey the ordinance of Allah. That's what we're taught in more science. Um, your financial and economic status does not determine who you should be pursuing. If that's what you're doing, that's what a lot of people, I think are, a lot of our people are making mistakes the because they're basing a person's character and their value off of how much federal reserve notes are able to accumulate. So if you can, if you can stack a whole bunch of papers with slaveholders on them, then that means you're, that means you're a good person. And if you don't, then that means you're a bad person. And that's how our society carries it. And Less desirable. Less desirable. Anyway. Less desirable. And, and look, I speak for myself. I used to be a greedy, avaricious guy that cared about money and paper was the world. So I can understand why. And I'm a quote, Yay, Kanye, back when he was Kanye, and he said in one of his songs, yeah, everybody's like, oh, what you going to say? No, what I'm going to say Kanye said, having money ain't everything, not having it is. He said a long, long time ago that having money ain't everything, not having it is. So it's like, I feel like it's all about where you are in life. It's not until you get the bag, so to speak, that you realize that it ain't really about the bag. So why were you doing this? You know how many good relationships could be developed and cultivated if they looked at each other for who they were, not based off of materialistic things, not off of finite things, but no, this this would be a loving person. They care about you. They're trying. But if you don't know that we've been institutionally disenfranchised and set up and going through a whole lot of things, then it's it's not fair to use that against us. Um, So I say a lot of women and women too, look, There's this book called The Manipulated Man by Esther Viller. It's written by a woman. Hmm. You should read that book. In this book, it talks about how women have been running the financial world for years. Women make 80% of consumer purchases in the household. Women run the sales force. Women run everything. Women, and y'all know that. Come on, brothers. Mm -hmm. We know they all run the world. We want to work and give y'all all all the money. (laughs) We want to make sure y'all are good. So... We we need to have a deeper appreciation for womanhood. And at the same time, we need our women to know that, hey, a nation can only rise as high as it's women. So y'all the ones making the money. Y'all have most of it, okay? Because men will give it to you for nothing. Why? Because they want to sit down with you for an hour. <laughs> so they give you whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you ask for, someone do it. We call them simps, but still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so... Uh, Work together, y'all. Don't, don't think the dollar, what makes you who you are, okay? You got some people who ain't got a dollar out here, they're the kindest people walking the earth. Then you got people with a pocket full of money and they're evil and cruel, arrogant, avaricious, and don't care about nothing but slaveholders.
0: Intriguing. Intriguing. Um, I'm coming from a different direction. But me and Kenny always, you know, we always yes. come from different directions. That's, that's one of the beauties of our friendship and our... Uh, partnership and empowerment
2: that's right you know, doing partnership
0: and uplifting fallen humanity right man
2: the golden phone
0: i say <laughs> all right um the challenges where black men are making more than black women that you're talking about black women make more than black men okay that's where you're going okay okay well then that's easy okay well let me take it from where i was going to go because i thought that's what you were saying i was a little confused by it um um but the interesting thing is the higher level of education doesn't necessarily mean you have a higher level of income Mm -hmm. all right so um taking that off the table one of the challenges that we have why there's a greater income with sisters than there are with brothers is numerically there's more systems. All right. So when we have more, when you look at the aggregate, you're going to have a higher middle point because you just have more to choose from. So that's just numerics. Second thing is, when it comes down to risky behavior, women don't engage in as much risky behavior as men do. And when I say risky, I'm talking about things that'll put you in jail, that'll put you out of the workforce, that'll um, put you out of the workforce because you get damaged. You know, it, it, it's just not the same number. They're smarter in that regard, smarter in many regards. So I don't think that's as much of an issue as your question begs it. So if sisters are making more than us, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't see I don't see that as a bad thing. I can see why it happens, I don't see it as a bad thing. Now When I look at our economic situation, I can say this. In the Black community, the money stays in a day. Mm -hmm. If you make a dollar, it stays in our community for a day. Mm -hmm. In our Latino community, it stays for a week. All right? In our Asian, not Asiatic, but Asian community, it lasts for a month. In our Jewish community, it lasts for 45 days, a little 50-day-ish. And in the general white community, it lasts for an immeasurable, uh, it circles for an immeasurable amount of time. Sisters and women in general spend 75 cents out of every dollar that's spent. It's spent by women. If we're gonna change the economic situation in our community, it has to start with and be firmly focused on the spending of our sisters. Yeah, like all right, food. let me say that again. Out of every dollar, 75 percent is spent by women. If we look at our community, that means that 70 75 percent of all the dollars that come in are spent by our sisters. If we're in a bad economic situation because our money's not circling within each other, the behavior the change the re weight reawakening of the mind. Mm-hmm has to happen with our sisters
2: and if I can I want to add something to that I believe that in order for us as the men our part to help increase keeping the dollar in our community and supporting our sisters and what they spend it is we need to be more industrious and start manufacturing if we wouldn't manufacture and make the things that many of our people are often consuming then that'll help redirect the increase the velocity of money in our community True. so True. men let's step it up women. You don't need all them eyelashes all the time.
0: I kind of like the eyelashes. I ain't for front. Um, well, you know, it, it's, I yeah. like the high heels. I like, ain't yeah. front. It, um, yeah. oh. I like them all. I I want
1: to yeah. like, um. <laughs> interject for a second. And I want <laughs> as we kind of deal with this, because, you know, because we're talking about empowerment. And I think, uh, and Brother Kennedy, you mentioned manufacturing several times. Yes. Uh, and for people who talk, you know, so... At a corporate level, you know, whether if, you, if you're in corporate manufacturing you got a company or something, that's one thing. Uh, but, but simply, you know, our, our grandmothers used to manufacture. They sold that's their right. clothes, you. you know. I mean, so on a simpler level, you know, and they were able to do that. Um, but it just a lot of times, if you can't manufacture, kind of, kind of pairing what you two are saying, it's the thought process of the consumerism. Yes. Uh, deal with the numbers. If they're spending 75 cents of every dollar, how do we get that down to 50 to 40 to 30 to 20? And I'm just, I'm just, just, yeah. so we're talking about what are we choosing? May I? Yeah, go ahead.
0: If 75 cents out of every dollar is going to be spent, we find ways to make sure that that 75 cent benefits us more than it currently does. Mm -hmm. Now, I said earlier that I don't think it's bad that sisters are out making gentlemen. I I said that earlier, right? Mm -hmm. That's okay. What's better is if the men became more industrious. Right. That's right. So yeah. I, 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 I kind of left that incomplete. I, so I wanted to make sure I finished that up. If we became more industrious, <laughs> uh, and a lot of our prophets have said that, um, then we would be in a better place. All right. So to go back, if we – so let me get – I gave this idea to my father. You know, my father was but, a before, before you go there, I want to deal with that
1: because we – glossed over unpack industrious let's be specific specifics
2: so what's industrious what is that industrious what does it mean for from us in a practical sense it means you identify the talent that's been committed to your charge your particular passion and your desire what are you good at some people may like to cook some people may like to make me wood wood shop i mean whatever your talent is identify it and what product or service can you create that's universal that could be applied to everybody, regardless of their perceived race or their perceived religion, regardless. So, for example, who knows how to sew? Can we get the people that to to sew and can we make our own socks and drawers so we can stop going to Hanes? Can we identify who, who knows? Like, I'm a juicer. Why did I get into juicing? Because I'm trying to come for that Hawaiian punch market share. I don't think it's good for us to be buying all this stuff all the time that's unhealthy. How about if I manufacture and make my own? It's healthier, it's better, and I can provide that to my people. And now we build a community of individuals who think like this. Guarantee we, it's plenty of us to have the talents and skills to do so. Um, But until we have that collective unity and we work together and learn to defer to each other for those services, then we're going to keep competing with each other and we don't need to. So if somebody's already, and I'm just going to use my, but I'd like to do juicing. I'm a juicer. When I meet other people who are into juicing and healthy living, I'm not coming to compete. I'm coming to collaborate. I'm going to promote what they're doing, and I'm going to use their service, and so we're going to collaborate and work together. So I think if we if we identified your talents and work with the professionals, Seiko does lots of business consulting. If you need help structuring businesses, he's a good guy you can talk to. Um, and there's lots of people in the community, men, women, and a lot of us who are willing to pour in and lean, on, lean in and support each other. So I think, again, in closing around being industrious, it means you do what you're naturally good at. And you think of a way that it's going to help everybody and you do what you love to do. And you do that every day. You ain't working. So.
0: Industrious. Using your skills, abilities, and resources to gain more resources. That's how I kind of look at it. Um, So this is Kwanzaa principle, Ujamaa. And that principle says to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. Now, we've misinterpreted that as we're going to go shopping at Black businesses. It said to build and maintain your own stores, shops, and other businesses. It says to be industrious. All right? So we go with the parable of the talents. You know, the parable of the talents, you know, when the master comes back, he's like, what you do with the resources I gave you? I buried it. You stupid. You wicked and slothful, right? <laughs> and so if you took the talent and you flipped it a little bit, that was good, but the the uh, servant who took the talent and flipped it multiple times, my good and faithful servant. Am I correct? All right. So my point is that's industrious. That's the Bible teaching us to be industrious. You know, the Bible also says that we need to have uh, seven or more streams of income. Most of us have one or two. All right. uh, So what I'm saying is we have examples of being industrious already. If men, if that's an issue, if men were more industrious, then we wouldn't have that imbalance. But I don't think that imbalance is a bad thing necessarily. I think it just shows us where there's a gap in the system where we could come in, men, and being more industrious. But I don't want sisters to make less. I definitely would love to see our money circled more. And so, yeah, I agree. We need to make our own socks. But... We can also invest in Haynes. You know what I'm saying? One of the ways that we can be industrious is investing in some of the businesses that are already profitable. And see, everybody, if you want to have seven or more streams of income, you can invest in five or six businesses and keep your job. You know, some people say, like, I ain't made for business. Everybody ain't supposed to have a business. You can invest in other businesses. Keep your job. And now you have that seven streams of income because you never know when the famines or the rains or how it's positioned, you know, in the Bible. So we have examples. And our book tells us what our books tells us what to do. We need to do a better job of following the leader. And the the power of that parable about
1: the talents that most people miss. uh, The guy who doesn't uh, use it, he goes out, he buries
0: it. It's called wicked.
1: Well, well. The the example that Jesus gives is a it's actually it's a it's a one talent, but it's a huge amount. It's literally about 75 pounds. The energy that it expends to build a hope big enough to hide 75 pounds or something is energy that's better spent using it for for the kingdom.
0: Ooh, science. Okay. You see.
1: Um and, and so you you hit it on the head with, with the industriousness of it. You know, and so we can, so the, so as so the, again, empowerment. So rather than looking at the sisters and feeling some kind of way, because you know, what are we doing to 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 use our gifts, our talents to to put them to work, to to increase our capacity, our industriousness, even in terms of and, and you said something there, uh, and I, I go back at this point. I and I love it because it's the difference between spending and investing. You know, it's the, it's the use of the tool. You know, how how you use the funds, how you use those those monet, those fiscal uh, tools to create wealth, to create something for the community versus it being expended, going away from you, never to return. We want to change gears, all right? Uh, we just had an election on, on Tuesday the 8th. Uh, and one of the things that happens uh, in our communities, uh, we're very... Uh, we were divided. We have a well. I said divided. We have a variety of approaches. Even today in our discussion about about helping the community, we've had some different different perspectives. And so I want to kind of turn the corner and talk deal with this political issue. We kind of put this on the table: uh, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and voting. How does uh, our community, based upon everything we're talking about thus far, how do we co- effectively participate? In local, state, and national U.S. government activity, do we do we do we withdraw from it and focus on being industrious in the community? Do we uh, do we participate? Uh, which which philosophy? It's beneficial to us, uh, the, the Democratic, uh, what people will call socialism or liberalism, where we, uh, to what we tax, where we, we give out to those to help raise the tide. Uh, do we do the Republican piece where everybody, every man's for himself, and we conservat- uh, we conservatize the government? Is it somewhere between, between with the independent? How do we navigate? Because uh, there are people who, who will fall in our communities. Falling on both sides of the fence
0: and everywhere in the yard, so to speak. So, let's kind of unpack that for a second. Anybody uh, want I want stop? to stop. Go, I'm going to let you go first, that one. Uh, but before I do that, I want to say that the sister in the back, Andrea, would probably be the best person to answer this question. She's dope, dope like that. Um, Andrea, if you can pull up one of our palm cards for the city council or school board, I want to share that when I answer. Brother Kenneth.
2: So, Political engagement. My thoughts on this are first, as a people, we need to stop voting D or R. We need to stop. We need to stop allowing these parties to determine what we're doing. I'm not a big party person in real life. I'm not coming to parties, so I don't look at the Democratic or Republican Party as if either one of them have any pull over the other. No matter who's in office, you all take an oath to the Constitution. We have to enforce the Constitution regardless of who's in there. We need to establish relationships with all of them and not argue with their arguments. The majority of the arguments that I see our people are engaged in has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. We need to be focused on our community and focus on the city that we live in and working together. Um, this D&R thing, and y'all seen the, all right, I'm going to go back to the Kyrie thing. Okay, That was a distraction. Okay, in the middle of an election, we have a local election coming up, and all our people are talking about is whether they agree with Kyrie or not. Who are you voting for? What, what legislative issues are on the ballot that you need to be talking about? That's what we should be doing. So when, when I think of political engagement, a few things. One, stop looking for entertainers and rappers and athletes to be your political figurehead. No disrespect to anybody who, who may be good in these sports, but Being a professional athlete is not the same as being a political. It's not the same. It's two different things. And we need to stop looking to them to be our leaders in that realm. You want to hoop? By all means, you you, you go first. But if we're talking politics, we need people who understand the universal aspect. We need to focus on everybody. Not so-called black people. Not so-called white people. But the human race. And what about the citizens? What about our posterity? What about our children? So I believe we need to take more of a universal approach towards politics, scratch the whole D and the R thing. It's a, it, that doesn't help anybody. And get to know which district you're in, who's a city council member, who's running, and reach out to them and schedule a meeting with them. If you If it's a 10, 15 minutes, go sit down with them and share your concerns. If you're paying taxes, your money is going into their salary they have to answer to you they got to you know answer your question so that's my thing main thing is drop the d and the r like we're not democrats or republican parties according to the constitution of the united states of america it says that the united article 4 section 1 it says that the united states shall guarantee to every state of the union a republican form of government and protect it against invasion i i've argued and i've asked before and this is a rhetorical question Not rhetorical i'm just going to leave it in the room but Considering that the word democracy is not written in the Constitution, is democracy unconstitutional? Is democracy another form of government that the Constitution says we're supposed to protect against? Um, because it doesn't say democracy. It says supposed to have a Republican form of government. So that's my attitude. If you haven't read the Constitution, the state Constitution and the federal Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, Articles of Association, Articles of Confederation, all of these documents to have an understanding of how they all tie together and see your place in this, then you don't need to be getting involved just yet. You need to learn who you are first. And remember one thing, then you yield for real. We the people. The only part of that Constitution that directly applies to us is the first three words of the preamble. We the people. Everything else outlines how they are to conduct themselves in our land, in this government that has been established. That's my thoughts and takes around.
0: (laughs) Okay. I think that your statement about uh, rejecting the D's and the R's is spot on. I don't think we should be totally
3: universal. All right. So
0: since the 1800s, our people here in America have said we're having injustices with the um, way the economic system is set up. We're dealing with injustices with the law enforcement system, with the judicial system, right? We had things taken from us that need to be returned to us or we need to be reimbursed. And we've had acts of terrorism that has happened to us that have been allowed by the government since the 1800s. We've been asking every Democrat administration, every Republican administration to help us with those things. And in every case since the 1800s, here we are, 2022, since the 1800s, our people have been saying, we're getting screwed over in these five areas and the Democrats and the Republicans have ignored us. I agree. You ignore us. ignore you so how do we vote then we don't vote dnr we vote our agenda it's not the agent it's not the it's the agenda it's not the agent it's the agenda so when that person knocks at your door and says hey i'm running for um congress you can say hey are you working to protect and expand virginia's minimum wage Are you working to institute a minimum 10% low-cost unit ratio in new housing development? Will you fight for outright elimination of civil asset forfeiture? Will you negotiate tax incentives for businesses that create livable wages and high-paying jobs in low-income areas? Will you eliminate incarceration for nonviolent drug offenses? Will you expand food pantry? So we're going to say this is what we want And if you want our political resource, our collective vote, then you got to do the things that we ask for. See, our politicians have come to our community and they've given us ideas on hope. And yes, we can. And we can make a change, right? We're going to improve America, you know? We're going to make America great again but they go to other communities and say, we're going to come with this particular legislation that's addressing one of the things you've been asking for. You know, we're going to go to people that aren't even Americans and say, Hey, We're going to give you this H-1B-1 um, 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 legislation which will allow you to come from your country to America so you can work in this field. And once you're here, you can bring this person, and you can bring your auntie and your cousin and your wife and your husband and your children. We do things, our politicians have done things for immigrants. So now we're allowing people who aren't citizens to vote in elections. But when it comes to us, the five things we've been asking for. Since the 1800s, we've been ignored, but nine neglect. Our political system don't care about us. So our teachers, Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, Neely Fuller, has told us we got to get on code. And how do you make the vote valuable? By saying unless you give me the things that we going to benefit our community that we've been asking for historically, we're not rocking with you. So if the D's not going to give it to us, forget them. If the R's not going to get it to us. Forget them. The Green Party person is not going to give it to us. Forget them. The Independent's not going to give it to us. Forget them. We're only going to give our political resource to those who are going to enact our political agenda. Now, here's the thing. If you go to any of these groups to get their endorsement, they say, well, here's our legislative agenda. If you can meet all the items on our legislative agenda, we will endorse you. That's what powerful people do. And we think we got to vote just because... Aunt Sally and Grandma Jean and Grandfather, uh, you know, John struggled and, you know, gave up their lives for us to vote. We got to make it more valuable. The way we do it is by making them work for it, not giving it away.
1: I want, I want to give Kennegan cancer spot. I'm to come back to it because I want to deal with this a little deeper, right, sir. Um,
2: a lot of people are, I mean, are y'all familiar with Oscar Priest? Oscar the Priest was the first Asiatic put in Congress in the Mm -hmm. 20s. Um, Noble Gerard Lee the Moorish Americans, we were actively involved in that and putting them in office. We've been voting way before Martin Luther King and Malcolm X to their demise in the 60s, advocating for our right to vote. There's a lot of misinformation around our relationship and politics in America. I I sincerely wholeheartedly believe that the reason why we're not experiencing a political movement as we should is because we haven't identified as a nation of people. Nationality is the order of the day. All the other groups that we refer to, they share basic principles. They share free national standards, culture, heritage, history, land, ETC. Chinese is from China. Japanese from Japan. Russians from Russia. uh, Nicaraguans from Nicaragua. And Indians from Indian. What about black? What about colored? What about Negro? What about African American? We've been divided politically into these different groups that is literally hindering our ability to move forward as a nation of people. We are true American citizens. But if you ask the average Asiatic that, they may not say that. We may claim to be Black, again, Black, colored, Negro, African-American. How do you advocate for a political interest for a group of people when they're all saying something different? How? Because one group may say, we want, this is our political agenda. Okay, when well, another group says, this is our agenda. So if, if you're an elected official, if you're campaigning, and you just need votes, straight you
0: up. Need votes, yeah. You need
2: the votes, here You need the votes. So if, if I go to one group and they say, hey, we are the, I don't want to disrespect no groups, but you know, whatever group you may be, if you represent the Negro ideology or the black ideology or the colored ideology or the African-American ideology, that's, that's the issue that we have as a people. As long as we keep doing that, then we're not gonna be working together. We have to realize that one, we are a part of the human family. Having a nationality is a basic human right. It applies to everybody in the human family. So that's the foundation. Without that, and we're talking politics and law, for who? Like, sincerely, no disrespect, but for who? Because I've been in, in lots of political settings. I've been in many, many meetings and roundtables and heard lots of arguments. And quite frankly, sometimes some of our people will take us back to the 60s with some of their arguments. And we're like, hey, it's 2022. It's a whole, it's a new era of time now. We're not arguing with the same stuff. So I just say we as a people got to understand human rights, have to understand nationality, have to understand. and, And look, for those who say it's not important, why was it only taken from us? Why does every other nation have their nationality? What is it about us in America? What were the two things that were taken away from us? That three fifth clause. Hmm. What happens when you have a mind, a body, and a soul, and you take away their nationality, and their divine creed, and then tell them that they're free? You have what we have today. So, I it, wanna I wanna go. Uh, I'm gonna stay with
1: this, but I wanna kind of go because I'm, you know, and I can try to try to synthesize our thoughts, our thinking today. So I, I and I'm kind of wanna pull back some pieces that we talked about earlier. So, but Sekou, you gave us the uh, the description of the powerful and the valuable on down the line, and those who don't value. Uh, we talked about consumerism, yes, and what you even what you just said about the three fifths piece, uh, and so in this discussion and this political discussion, it it is the idea. Uh, cuz politics polis is the city state of maintaining power over the city state somebody has to, wants to be in power mm-hmm. and so but like what you just said talked about about the agenda and I understand the agenda uh, the challenge of that is it's really challenging because on the one hand it is we we want persons who are going to support the agenda of what we're listing, and let me say, for those in power, many other things on those agendas are antithetical to their position.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, yeah. politically challenging yeah. for them to yeah.
1: Yeah, and so and so 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 that's the piece. So if no one buys into those, no one takes a stand to say that I'm going to align with this agenda. Which, fund, which fundamentally is antithetical to the power structure for this group that's asking who's vote, vote I'm asking for and they don't align with it and then we refrain from voting I'm just dealing with the picture we refrain from offering our vote where does that kind of leave us does it still just leave us uh be, being industrious being self-contained following the uh the book that you framework of, of de- lifting our own bootstraps and just kind of uh, withdrawing from it, holding our nose and voting or, you know, because that's, that's kind of where we are with it because, you yeah, know, because, because you want the answer. Well, because, because you, because, you're, because, <laughs> you want fund, the answer. because fundamentally as a candidate, a D or R who's on agenda, the agenda, because the eyes are not going to win. Uh, you want me to endorse something which fundamentally disaligns with my donkey
0: or my elephant to get, to get your vote. Absolutely. So what does that leave? What does this leave the community? Oh, it's it's simple because the agenda d- differs depending upon the race. So what I just kind of quoted, and le- let me say this: um, uh, Conrad and Andrea the newlyweds back there, saluted you know. yeah. Um, they're part of the community action team. And what we've done is we've gathered together people who are politicos and people who are focused on empowerment, like myself, and we're coming up with strategies, tools and practices that our community community can watch and start engaging in to gain more political ability look powerful people do this hey i don't like that policy change it and then marco rubio or or any of the legislators you know um will stand up and say hey i want to Uh, you know, I want this bill to pass. I want to change this. I want to change this. I want to take away this. I want to take away this. Why? Because somebody said, yo, I don't like that. We need to change that. People without power march and go to the voting booth to hopefully change things. Powerful people make a phone call. People without a lot of power have to do a whole bunch of other stuff to possibly get the same impact. So what I want us to do is to become powerful. How does that happen? If I know that I have to work to get your resource, I'm either going to try to find others to work with, or I'm going to slowly say, all right, I got to do what you asked me to do. What we're going to have to do over the next five to 10 years, it's going to be a five to 10 year process, is we're going to have to make, Elected officials and candidates work for our resources. And they're going to say, come on, please. I ain't got to work for your resource. I just got to sell you hope. I just got to tell you we're going to make America great. I just got to say, yes, we can. I just got to give you a flowery speech. That's what I've been doing since the 1800s. We're going to have to break habits. And breaking habits takes a while. And so we're politically going to have to break some habits now. So I just voted. Right. I vote every year. I live in Virginia. There's a vote every year. I vote every year. I only vote for those who are going to vote on my agenda. And so that might mean I might skip a race. So I might not hit the top of the ballot, but I'll vote for dog catcher. (laughs) You know, I might vote for city council. I might vote for school board. I might not vote for mayor. You know, I may have to skip a ballot because neither one of those candidates or none of the candidates out there are on my agenda. Now, that may not help me today, but three or four years later, they're going to be like, you know what? We needed that block of votes so we can get in office. And so we're going to have to do what they say. So, look, if you go to McDonald's and you order a Happy Meal and they say, we're going to give you everything but the burger you got to pay the full price you're like nah i'll go across the street right that's what we need to say to candidates either you give us everything we're paying for or we're going across the street or we might just cook at home we might fast so we may need to do a political fast to change the expectations so we can get some things Now, does that mean we may have to put up with some stuff we don't like for a little while? That's cool because it doesn't matter who the candidate is. It matters who's in the seat. And we have to be able to say, I don't like that and make that change. So it's going to hurt us. And we're going to have people saying stuff like, your ancestors died for you to vote. It's your turn. It's our turn to make that vote more valuable and to fix the things they should have done for our ancestors.
1: Amen. Very challenging. No easy answers, but that's 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 a path towards empowerment.
0: That, hey, that's the way. Empowerment takes sacrifice. If you look at any of the religious systems, everybody who was empowered in all the religious books did some level of sacrifice before they were empowered. Amen.
1: I wanna I wanna I wanna deal with something. Uh, and kind of talk about this, and, and y'all done a great job today. And, uh, and this is this is rich we're dealing with we, we've talked about education one of the things we kind of kind of briefly talked about crime uh, in, in a roundabout way mass incarceration drugs and addiction our communities have kind of come under uh systemic bombardment uh and, and it's, it's been structured that way and the question that we want to deal with still deal with this idea of overall uh, overarching idea of uh, empowerment as community-minded men, talking specifically as community-minded men, how do we practically, you know, in a very tangible, doable way, assert influence in our neighborhoods, our schools, and, our, and the local economy? How do, how do we assert influence? How do we get to, how do we get to that power? How, because, and I, you know, and, and I say that because one of the things that happens is, uh, I think this is a... So super Superman's not coming, or some video, or something like that, for the school system. You know, you know that kind of. But you know, when it falls on us, you know, as these as these men in our community, how do we how do we how do we make these moves to to, to really have a real influence
2: in those areas?
0: Yeah, let's let the man of distinction start that off. Yes.
2: Yeah, so first, you have to you got to focus on the community sincerely, not, not the politicians, not who's running, not who's off, who's in office, but the community. The children, your families, your friends, the neighbors, the, the regular people, that you have to serve each other. And as we serve each other, we grow, we build relationships rapport. The then we collectively go to these elected officials when we have concerns and issues, and we address these concerns. But the most important thing is you have to actually be serving. A lot of people claim to serve, and a lot of people like to do 501c3s because they want money, not because they're trying to actually help the children to help the community. Um, we need to make sure we're serving, giving back, um, not expecting anything in return, just help because you're blessed. If you've been blessed and you have an abundance, then the only way you're going to keep your abundance is if you share it with others and if you reveal the light and help other people. So I think it's really just about serving sincerely from the heart, regardless of one's religion, uh, regardless of their perceived race, like really work together. In the More Science Temple of America, we learned that it's all about principles. Specifically, the principles of love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. Those are the five highest principles known to man. Regardless of what you think and believe, you got to learn how to love. You got to tell the truth. You have to be peaceful. You have to enjoy your freedom and justice. You know, that's another one. So that's what I would recommend is that you use that. And what we learn and what we're doing is we use it as a filter in our thought process. When we're doing things, the first thing we do is apply love somebody hating on you hard and showing some love somebody hating because you want to get involved with government or you want to engage in your community teach them through truth um be peaceful you know grow on that level but again in serving the community focus on the babies i, I think that it's been a the woke movement and a lot of adults arguing debating you see youtube videos you see social media i see people have argued and they've been debating for years children still hurting. The children can't read. The children need food. The children need father figures. They need role models. They need support. So focus on the babies. That's how you impact your community, because that's a long term investment. Brother Seiko mentioned mental distinction mentoring program that we did for many years at Virginia Beach public schools. I did not understand the impact of that program until I got a little older and my daughters are now in high school, my twin daughters. And some of the boys that I used to be in the program with, uh, that I used to mentor, they're in the school with my daughters now. So when I found out they trying to, you know, they're trying to holler at my daughters, <laughs> it's that age, man. Let's be honest, we're in high school, okay? So when that time came around, I had already built a relationship with these young men from fourth and fifth grade. So when they find out that, oh, brother L, that's your daughter? They, hey, man, look out for her, man. Hey, do right by her. Take care of her. So it's like, when you look at the, The attitude of serving your community, you build the relationships with the community leaders, with the elected officials. Like I look at Bobby Dyer. I remember Bobby Dyer before he was just city council. Hmm. So if you connect with them on that level, when they're campaigning, Vicky Mann, I remember when Vicky was just campaigning. And there's a lot of people out here, and I just try to meet them on the campaign trail, connect with them, share my interests, encourage them what they're doing, and most importantly, remind them that when you do win, you in Virginia Beach, you team Virginia Beach. You're not independent, you're not Democratic, you're not Republic. So we know the law, we know the Constitution, and we get active when we serve the people, primarily the children. I I say
0: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, salute to Vicki. Uh she's 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 done some good things. Uh Bobby. Hmm. Uh, Father Allah said the babies are the greatest. That's Clarence 13X for the uh, Nation of Gods and Earth. He said the babies are the greatest. Um, I think I'm going to yield because I think what Kinnick said was good. Yeah. I'm okay. going to yield.
3: We got about, believe it or not,
1: we're down about 15 minutes. I got a couple of things in this topic I want to share, kind of throw it into the atmosphere and we kind of talk through those as well. So give me a, a, a second to kind of the people who are watching kind of kind of see what we're dealing with here hopefully that works yeah how about that okay all right and so uh, a couple of things here uh, a return to greatness some proactive steps to restore to empower and uplift the black community just want to add this to the, to the soup if i may uh, promote and reinforce the nuclear family as a fundamental social structure and building block of strong communities father brother and children You kind of get get back to that. And one of the things, this kind of thing that I see a lot as this uh, overt and covert uh, cultural campaigns to embrace androgyny and feminize the black man. One of the things that's uh, that's challenging to us is for men
3: to be seen as viable fathers, viable places in their community. Battery battery down. I'm going to have to go, go, Emmanuel. Amen
0: you know i'm gonna let you go first on this all right oh. <laughs> i'm, I'm, I'm gonna go
1: through the whole, all of them and come back to <laughs>
0: like...
1: but two motor and reward educational excellence for children youth at home and worship centers and through social fraternal organizations we need to kind of as we talked about earlier about as ath- we highlight athletes and musicians we need to encourage our young people uh, in areas of educational excellence to kind of push them in the, in the right direction and to reward them, to put money in our scholarships and even increase them, uh, not just as they finish high school, but even empowering those who are doing graduate level, even STEM work. Three, you want to disrupt the school to prison pipeline by creating... An academic and vocational support system for struggling students. Uh, The former educator, one of the things that we see with young people is they struggle. Uh, And and a lot of that has to do with the curriculum, has to do with what's being presented to them. Uh, So many young persons are very bright, but the structure of the educational system is challenging to them. so uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, in addition to the tutoring and after-school programs like of Distinction, offer students with documented school discipline problems, paid apprenticeships, talk about the, not the opposite of this baby, but high school students, uh, in exchange for night school alternative setting academic performance. or well, the Kinnick has talked about the, the paper with the, with the presidents. Some people do respond well to the presidents, you know, and so we give them an the opportunity to earn some money while they're also uh, pursuing education that may create a level of motivation. Uh, forward and proactive, pr- proactively pursue economic empowerment through community-based economics. We talked about that earlier uh, and, uh, and support our Black merchants, entrepreneurs, and professionals. And we t- even talked about reducing personal debt levels through savings, in-kind service exchange, and reduce dependent on credit. Uh, promote viewership and support for radio programs, television shows, movies, online sites, and social media, which create and will highlight positive and groundbreaking images of Black people. Uh, one of the, uh, in, in addition to the tragedy of the human lives that were impacted by Bill Cosby's behavior, uh, or the women who he impacted, the other secondary tragedy was the breaking of an icon. Of a positive family structure, the image of, of what was presented for us. Many of us went to college, pursued our education, became who we were because of the influence of what we saw on television shows like that. You, you cannot argue against the positive impact that the show created, and we need to do more to, uh, to to push positive images of what we see and what we hear. And this last one is kind of kind of kind of on my mind. Uh, I'm going to withdraw viewership and support. From radio programs, television shows, movies, online sites, and social media, which create and are perpetuate negative and stereotypical images of black personality, black people, uh, I, I have the issue with this. Uh, this uh, what's being portrayed many times. The uh, what we see being portrayed uh, in, in the music videos and television, even in promotions, the the entertainers don't live that lifestyle. But they're, but they're being paid to promote that to uh to our you know, children who are easily influenced and so if we can do those things uh perhaps you might see some level of return to to who uh, of our greatness, who we were as a as a community you mentioned at the outset 75 years ago we're not we're not where we were once we, our communities were thriving. Uh, if you ask some of the older generation, they will say the integration was probably one of the worst things to happen to us in terms of our businesses, in terms of our society and our culture and level of respect. Uh, I don't think, Brother Kennedy, we are actually a nation per se, but there was a stronger communal cohesiveness with those uh, who were in that who were in that community. And any of those you want to come kind of throughout uh, and kind of address and kind of structure as on that list if we throughout. out?
0: That's a lot. Like, but what I did say earlier, I was going to let the good brother start. <laughs> that is a lot,
2: a whole lot of stuff to take in. Um, I, one, honestly, you can put that together. I think that's a really good baseline of kind of some action steps and things that we could focus on. When I think about the restoring the, the family dynamic of father, mother, and child, um, we recognize and honor that as the Holy Trinity because nobody would exist without a mother, a father, and a child. So we definitely need to return to, to to that basics and just respecting the families, understanding the purpose of the reproductive organs. You spoke about the sexual misconduct that many are engaged in. Uh, we need to just start calling stuff out for what it is. Um, I, I love the – also, I really like the anti-empowerment list. I think that's something that we can really start pushing and really holding – these entertainers rappers etc accountable to if you're out here promoting stuff that does not empower our people that promotes self-destructive behavior we don't care how cool the beat is we 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 don't want to hear that no more so speak life and empowerment to our people the human race and that's that and um yeah i I think it's great and i I can't i know i've said it a lot throughout the meeting and i'm going to always say this our people humans we have to learn nationality we have to, and and it doesn't divide us, it actually unifies us, because the human family is divided and unified through their nationalities, and it allows us to respect each other, because I know it's unintentional, and our people don't mean no harm, but many don't know, it actually is against our religion to call us black, so our people don't know that, so it's like, and and I say that because the same way that Many of of our people will unintentionally say things because of our educational level. Consider that other nations do the same thing. Often, a lot of us are incidentally, accidentally doing stuff that's offensive because we don't have enough awareness and understanding of our cultural beliefs. So if you have a disagreement with somebody, humble yourself and listen and, and try to get to an understanding. Because from my observation, most people really mean well. Most people are positive and trying to do right in this new era of time now
0: go anything to add? I like the fact that you had uh, directions. You know, um, it, it's interesting when you look at world history, somebody gets off the path and then the almighty shows up and says, here's some directions.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's happening in all nations all over the world. Here are the directions. Follow this. Follow this. Um, I, I think that's what good leadership does. Follow this. When I get off course, I can say, "Oh, I'm off course." So I think we had some great directions to follow. Um, it's it, it's interesting, you know. Kenneth kind of mentioned, or maybe you mentioned that sometimes the entertainers do things in their entertainment field that they don't necessarily do in their real lives. You know, so, you know, I'm team JT when it comes to the city girls, but she's booed up. But, you know, in her music, she's talking about being a musical prostitute. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can dance and I can do all these other things, but she's booed up. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and she's in a committed relationship for right. those who don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep going. We're,
1: we're, we're talking and the people at home are still seeing the, uh, seeing you all side. I'm sorry. We're just talking on. Uh, Gotcha.
0: Apologies for that. Apologies, Zoom audience, and then Facebook or YouTube. Go ahead. I just appreciate that uh, you gave some directions because once we get off course, you know, we need somebody or we need some entity or we need some information to say, hey, you're off code. You're off course. You know, we often need GPS. Um, And the great thing about that is once we get to our destination, we're blessed with a new destination and we need a new GPS. Mm. So, that was a GPS for all of us. And some of us may be further along in the road and then hopefully uh, prayerfully and realistically, you're going to get a new GPS. You're going to get new directions, new instructions. So uh, thanks for providing that. Reroute, rerouting. To somebody, so, man, Rerouting. Quick. Uh,
1: these last two, we, we have about, oh, we got five minutes left. So that's it works out perfectly. Um, my last couple of questions uh, actually are, One's part one's part of another one, and the other one's a whole question to itself. But I'm going to combine them. And I think I think uh, we, we could have spent the whole topic on this, but there was so much to get to. But I want to kind of deal with these. Uh, and I'm going to put them under the umbrella of daddy dynamics. Uh, and the first part of daddy dynamics is, is uh, establishing black manhood as a visible, viable paradigm. In a community and nation that views us through a love-hate lens, they love to see us jump, love to hear us rap, but don't want to hear us when we voice our opinion. Okay, you set up and dribble. (laughs) But also as a part of that dynamic dynamics, stating in concrete, objective terms, uh, dysfunctional fatherhood practices, and how those practices have shaped and damaged our communities. And how to reform and repair relationships with hurting sons and daughters. That's a lot in there. And I don't I, I know. I wish we could have devoted more time to that. You think? But but but, but it was
0: but it was all needed. That's the title of the book. That's the preface. That's chapter one, two, yeah. three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, and the yeah. resolution. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so, so, so 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 yeah, you let's
1: jump. So is so there any way you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and jump on in there and, uh, with any of those that you heard. A visible, viable paradigm of black manhood in a community and nation that views us through a love-hate lens and a dysfunctional fatherhood practices that many of us uh,
0: may have seen or heard or have adopted. You know, how do we best deal with that? Well, I want to tap in with the GPS piece. Uh, there's a group here in Virginia Beach. There's also a a branch in Portsmouth. There may be some in other parts of Hampton Roads and, you know, hopefully throughout the nation. It's called Fathers in Training. And Fathers in Training is a group that helps fathers who are struggling with some aspect of their fatherhood experience to become better in those areas, to become a better father. And their three tenets are provide, protect, and be present. I'm sorry, be present, provide, and protect. In that order, be present, provide, and protect. And I found that if we're present, that solves a lot of problems. All right? If we provide, it doesn't necessarily mean monetarily because one of the challenges that some of the brothers coming home from imprisonment face is they're not able to provide anything, right? But actually, your presence and your guidance and your insight and your thoughts and your jokes and your stories, those are all provisions. So you don't, Hey, fellas, you don't have to have bank to be a good father. You provide a lot without having a lot of bank and then protect. You're not going to be, you know, particularly if you're coming to a relationship where the uh, child has been raised by the grandmother and the mother and the aunts, uh, you going to have a difficult time coming in that situation. But how do you protect that? How do you protect that? By telling your child, make sure you listen to your mother. Make sure you listen to your grandmother. So we can protect them from making bad choices. And so you can protect just by giving guidance. You can protect by giving your experiences. And so as long as we're present, we're providing, and we're protecting, we can change the dynamics from the challenge challenged fatherhood experience to a more blessed, engaged fatherhood experience. And so I would say to any father who's expressing or experiencing any challenges, focus on those three things and everything else will change in time. Present, provide, protect. Brother Kenny.
2: So, yeah, just be a loving father to your children. Um, Stop whooping them. I'm not a fan of that. I don't believe that violence or hitting your child is healthy. I think that's kind of counterproductive. I think we need to have dialogue, um, make sure that you understand. And then really to echo Seiko's points. I think he really summarized it and gave us some clear things. You know, money doesn't make you a good father or a bad father. You being present and you providing things is what makes you the good father. Um, that doesn't mean be a bum and don't even try to get a dollar out here. Don't try to help eat, <laughs> but don't use that as the gaze to determine your success. Um, And um, I ask everybody to be patient with this generation of fathers because we're dealing, it's a different dynamic. Many of us grew up, we were born in the 80s, many of us, I'm 85, all right? Our generation, we grew up with the mass incarceration. They took all of our dads. We Mm -hmm. grew up without fathers. And then we were taught for years that women were strong, independent black women and didn't need a man. That was not a good narrative to grow up in. When you keep hearing this over and over again, you turn on the news and when you're a young man and you're hearing this, you're like, well, man, that's not good. Um, And I think that's in part why many of our brothers grow up and don't want to be men. I believe that we don't. So we as men have to do a better job of sticking together, um, respecting manhood and um, really honoring what it's really about. And and like I said, understand, y'all, like we don't our generation, we're not the, the deadbeat dads. Most of us grew up without fathers. And I was talking with one of my uh, close friends recently, and we have both came to the realization that, hey, our first time experiencing fatherhood was when we had our own children. So that's something that people, a lot of people don't understand. We didn't know what it was like. We didn't have dad there. It was mama, grandma, and Michael Jordan. <laughs> and Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby, exactly. So just understand where we are. We're a generation that's learning. And we've already broken some of the old generational curses around fatherhood and what we're about, and we are dismantling that false narrative that we're deadbeats so and we don't want to be there for our children. That is not the case. A lot of brothers are going through stuff, and parental alienation is a thing. And it's I ask people thing. to be to really be patient and understanding how that yeah. impacts the mental and the you know the mental health of the father. And so we got to change this culturally throughout the system. Dads shouldn't have to go to court to see their babies. And if women are encouraging and supporting other women who are doing that, please stop. Please, let's make sure that we maintain it to the point I thought of dysfunctional practices. If you don't want to be together, don't punish the child. Let the child have their loving parent and their loving father in their life. Y'all don't have to be together, but you don't have to be enemies. And I can assure you, I can say this for all men with confidence. Oh, no man want to go to war with the mother of his children not one. That ain't what we want. So women are talking about that and giving women encouragement because I've heard it. I said, Please stop. Stop encouraging that. Stop listening to the woman who can't keep a man tell you how to keep one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's some things that, uh, you shouldn't have to do that you need to do. So if you're having challenges and I'm talking to the, the, the I'm talking to the audience, Having interactions with your children, go to court, right? Show up in court. A lot of like, man, I ain't ain't trying to go in front of the judge. That's how you become a father. That's if that's your situation. That's how you're gonna be a better engaged father. So don't. So do the things it takes to be a part, so you can be present, you can provide, and you can protect. If that means going in front of the judge. Go in front of the judge. You can go in front of the judge and say, I want to make sure I have more time with my child. Right. You can do those things. So you shouldn't have to, eh, but you need to. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Um, There's a passage that's in a lot of uh, religious texts. Most people know a about it being in the Bible, but it's actually in numerous texts that came before the Bible that talk about your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, so when you look at Hebrew culture, they had a rod, which is the thing they used to guide the sheep. And then they had a staff and the staff was something they used to stop the sheep from going places. All right. They could also use this staff to, to hit them hard too, but, but it was mainly used to stop them from going places. So why would you find comfort? You found comfort because somebody guided you and they stopped you from doing dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. All right,
3: present, provide,
1: and and as a kind of a uh, a bow on all of this, scripture says, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing." Uh, it kind of ties into our uh, nuclear family piece. It's this idea of. Allowing men to be pursuers of women that they want to be with, not to form a harem, but who they will be with for a lifelong commitment uh, in, in, in a monogamous, enriching structure. We talked about trauma a little while ago. And that trauma is still present in our relationships. Uh, it's, it's present in broken, broken men raised by broken women who've internalized, uh, my, grandma, grandma hates your daddy, mama hates your daddy, and you hate your daddy because they hate your daddy. And in the meantime, you don't know how to be your father. Uh, This, this trauma of physical procreation without marital responsibility, all of these things are factors in our community uh, and, and they, they work against us being visible against being viable Uh, and, and, and to be viable means, you know, that's alive, but really means respect starts with respecting ourselves and uh, when we learn to respect ourselves, and 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 that's another one of those things we have to correct uh, is that we were we were uh, in many ways given this mantra that uh, good girls don't, but it's okay for boys. You know what how does that even work? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's the idea of, of of grooming our young men, our young boys to be responsible sexually, to be responsible relationally, and and to make the effort, uh, to, to align with the with whichever teachings whether they be Muslim, whether they be now Christian or Jewish or or whichever. But the bottom line in this humanity is respect and and not to use uh, females as receptacles of passion. That's
2: right.
1: But rather as a God given companion for, for life. And I think if we can begin to do that uh, we can begin to make a difference. Amen. Let's give God some praise for our panelists. Amen. Uh, and bless them for the for sharing with us today. We thank you for joining with us uh, by, uh, here. The audience is here for those who join with us by way of uh, social media uh for this discussion we pray that it has blessed you It has blessed me i love these brothers i thank them for uh, for their courage and their perspective
0: within the so-called black community money circulates in other words it stays in the community one day in our uh, latino community it stays in one week, seven days. All right, and in Asian community, thirty days. And, you know, Jewish community, a little more than that, and then the general white community stays in there for unmeasurable amount of time. So the HR Green Book is our strategy to address the circulation, and it's simply a directory in online and in a an app form. The app's coming soon, where we can find our businesses. Let's see who. Uh, we have here so right now we have 14 food trucks let's look at restaurants all right so let's say i want to look at a restaurant let's go with DJs. you know i'm a dj let's see who else is out here in the dj world in hampton rose list your business with us you can simply go to list with us and you'll see that there are some options and we invite everyone to take the free option for right now so start your search today in the hr green book and let's make sure our money circulates stronger and longer